Hey, caffeinators. Welcome to the Vet Tech Cafe. The Vet Tech Cafe is a podcast centered around veterinary technicians and nurses, hosted by myself, Dave Cowan, and my good friend, Jeff Backus. We strive to discuss current issues facing our profession and give our colleagues a voice and a medium to enter into these discussions. Our guests are experts in the veterinary field that we hope can help our listeners work towards dealing with these issues, as well as coming up with solutions that can lead to change. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the Vet Tech Cafe, please contact us at vettechcafe at gmail.com, or you can find us at our website, vettechcafe.com. One thing we would ask of you, our listeners, is to rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. We're not exactly sure how or why this helps us, but apparently it does. So without further ado, come on in, grab yourself a cup of coffee, and get ready for another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe. Hello, caffeinators. Welcome back to another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe. Dave, how's it going out there? Doing pretty good here. Um, you know, today is is the 15th. It is um, it's Jackie Robinson Day. For, mm-hmm. for those of you that are baseball fans, yes, yes, um, yes, and we are actually going to our first Bulls game tonight, so I'm, I'm nice. really excited for that. How are yeah, you guys doing? Uh, we're good. We're good. You know, uh, last weekend I uh, was out at um, the CACVT, the Colorado oh, yes. Association yeah. for Certified Veterinary Technicians Conference, um, up in Loveland, Colorado. Other than IVEX, the first in-person conference. <laughs> that I had done, you know, post COVID, and actually got to meet Garnetta Santiago, one of our previous guests. Oh, she was she was working the Zoetis table uh, in their exhibit hall. Yeah, and then kind of wandering the halls, I ran into Rebecca Rose, who was oh, one of our great. previous guests. So yeah. I got to meet the both of them and and actually physically have a conversation with them. So that was that was really That's cool great. to to run into them, and then. Um, I did four hours of toxicology lecturing, and in between, during one of the breaks, one of the attendees came up and uh, was a caffeinator. Um, her name is Jade. So, Jade from Colorado, thank you very much for uh, for coming up and saying hello. But she had some really nice things to say about the podcast and um, gave her some swag and, and what have you. But it was really nice because she, like I said, she said some some really great things about it's so like some of our other messages we've received about, you know, when times get hard in this profession, hearing, you know, mm-hmm. enlightening stories or, you know, just talking about mental health and things of that sort. So um, it was really great to meet her and chat with her. So I know you've got some more conference stuff coming up. Yeah. So, up you know, at, uh, in Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. caffeinators, anytime, you know, if you run into us at a conference, come say hi. I promise you. It'll make our day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do love we do love hearing from people. Yeah, and and we will definitely have some swag for you. So, um, yes. but yeah, it was a great time. Thank you, CACBT, for having me. It was a really, really, really great technician conference. It was really, really quite impressive. So, yeah, it's good. It's great, Dave. Early start. We uh, we opened up the cafe early this morning. To, <laughs> we uh, did to, we to did. record one of our uh, our episodes that we might have to record again, depending on on how the uh, the IT side of things go but um we'll see we'll but see yeah we're uh, we're we're off and running today thankfully um I don't know I'm sure you're probably drinking your normal stuff I have a good cup of chocolate raspberry here I'm having uh Robin actually I I told her not to get this but but she she got it for me anyways the death wish coffee which is like super potent. caffeinated it and, sounds potent uh, yeah and and it's. I haven't found that much of a difference in it. To no, be honest with no. You, but okay. Maybe it's just because my body is, is is so used to it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> just just hearing a a brand called Death Wish Coffee makes yeah. my heart skip a couple beats and <laughs> and speed up a little bit. So another you know really really cool episode today. Um, we want to say you know if you guys are new listening to the podcast, head over to www.vettechcafe.com. All of our info is there. Um, you can. Like, subscribe, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, download all of our previous episodes. We've got some really great content out there. And that's actually what we're going to be talking about today is content and yeah, kind of some of the, the online presence and brand stuff. We have um, a really, really great guest coming by today, Rhonda Bell, who is a CVPM, Certified Veterinary Practice Manager. She spent the majority of her adult life following her Marine husband uh, around duty station to duty station and collecting pets everywhere she went. But ultimately, um, that kind of helped turn her onto a career in veterinary medicine, working as a veterinary assistant. And then not long after, as a veterinary practice manager, discovering medicine as a career field was a perfect fit. 
Becoming a professional veterinary manager was the game changer. Perfect storm for her, a passion problem solving pets and people. Uh, She graduated with a business management degree from Western International University in 2006 and earned her certified veterinary practice management certification in 2015, followed later by the CCFP, the Certified Compassion Fatigue Professional Certification in 2020, and a Certified Digital Marketing Professional in 2021. As a lifelong learner, she also completed a certification as a master life coach and incorporates personal and professional career coaching into her consulting business, which is Dog Days Consulting, who we have kind of latched on to, and they do a lot of the social media work for us. So all of the uh, posts you see regarding episode releases, contests, all of that stuff, Rhonda and uh, her business partner, Linda, help us out greatly with all of that stuff. And that's what we're going to talk about today, because this is such an important topic for so many veterinary technicians, for veterinary hospitals, building this brand, building this online presence and kind of getting your message out to to your community and, and your followers. So Rhonda, thank you so much for coming by. Uh, the Vet Tech Cafe today and having a cup of coffee with us. What can we get you for that coffee? I'm actually enjoying in my Vet Tech Cafe cup, just randomly as it <laughs> happens to be this morning. I'm enjoying a latte from Sip of Hope. So I order my beans from Sip oh, of Hope. And this, we love yeah, Sip of Hope. I, I actually get them, I have it on a routine mail it to me schedule. Oh, yeah. And so I'm just having a latte this morning. So an oat milk latte. So it's pretty good. Fantastic. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, if you don't mind, um, kind of take us through your career path a little bit because it's it's a little bit out of our usual in terms of our our guests, so kind of on the the management path, if you will. Uh, but but talk us through some of that kind of the stops along the way and, and a little bit about what you're doing now. Thank you and thank you for having me. I really do appreciate your your time this morning. My career has been interesting to say the least. I did start as an assistant in a veterinary practice. And when my owner found out that I was going to college for business, she said, oh, great, you're going to be my manager. And that was how I transitioned. <laughs> so if the, is there a more vet med no. thing than that? No, I, yeah. that was <laughs> that is vet med in a yeah, nutshell. That was kind of that transition. I'm like, oh, OK. So, you know, didn't occur to me that that, you know, she said it, we did it. But it really was kismet for me because that's whenever I realized that it was putting all those things together that I love. So. I do like business. I love growing businesses and brands, and I love supporting small business and people who are entrepreneurial, but I also love veterinary medicine and patient care and the people that are involved in it. So it kind of, you know, gelled for me. Then in, I think, 2016, after I got my CVPM and I was just kind of getting in my groove of doing my thing, um, I got sick. So I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, scleroderma, and for that, I have to go on a couple of different immune suppressing medications. So the first piece of advice all my specialists gave me was, okay, well, you can't really work with people and you really shouldn't be around animals too much. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was a little bit of a plot twist that I had to figure out what life looked like for me. This was prior to my work in social media and branding. But I was always doing it in the back of my mind. I just didn't understand that that's what I was doing just from an entrepreneurial mindset that I had. So I laid there after having a heart attack and getting sick, um, a literal heart attack, and getting sick with scleroderma and tried to figure out, okay, what does this look like for me? What does veterinary medicine look like for me? What happens next? So I had to figure out how to rebrand myself and rebrand myself into a career that was going to actually work for me. And again, this is before I knew the word rebrand, right? Right. (laughs) So I just started rebuilding myself. And that's when I decided that one of the holes in veterinary medicine for me as a manager was branding and social media for the practice. I never had time to do it. The few times I did worry about what went on social media, it was kind of half-ass at best. And that's to be completely transparent, I just didn't try as hard as I probably could have or should have because I was busy doing other things. So I was attempting to manage the practice and managing, you know, all of the shenanigans that occur within the practice on the day to day. So branding and marketing and outreach and client education using digital platforms and trying to increase our communication just wasn't high priority. So that's that's the hole that I saw and decided that I could probably find a way to fill that gap. So I started training. I laid there in my bed and and recovered and started taking class after class. 
and learning how to do social media. From that, I had a couple of my colleagues that were also CVPMs that had practices that were struggling with social media, and they asked me to help out. And so I did. And so it just kind of started from there with one and then two. And then I actually got into some industry partners, some clients who, you know, aren't in a veterinary practice themselves, but they work in the veterinary industry and on whole messaging company and things like that. And now here we are today, you know, I help with your podcast and with other people who have their own unique brands within veterinary medicine, as well as veterinary practices. So it really has grown into something so inspirational and beautiful. And I love playing with it every day. (laughs) Awesome. And just a a quick follow-up as we talk about, you know, the, the CVPM, uh, I don't, I don't know that I've heard of, I'm I'm sure it happens all the time. Normally the, the route is, you know, you're, you become, you're a veterinary assistant and then you become a technician. And then by default, you become the practice manager. It's not that often that we see someone that that has gone from assistant to management. So how, how did that, did you have like struggles within that being not, not an actual technician? Yeah. I, my goal all along, I never considered management. I, I considered really smart people were the managers. So it was just not mm-hmm. going to be, you know, something that I was headed for. Um, I just didn't view myself in that way. And I was always going to be a technician. My biggest issue that I had was because my husband was a Marine, we moved every three years. So getting enough time in a practice to actually build up the experience, the rapport, the support, all of the things that I needed to become a technician, to be able to go to school, to have the time to do all those things was just so impossible. It really was. Yeah, it just didn't no, never happen. No. Yeah. And, you know, when you're the wife of a Marine, your career is, is secondary. I mean, that's just the deal, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. management became one of those things that they leaned on me more and more from time to time, situation to situation. And, you know, you kind of fall into things that when people ask you questions multiple times and they're kind of related to the same topic, and then you wake up one day and you realize, maybe I'm actually kind of good at that because people keep asking me about this. They keep seeking my advice. And so that's whenever it started to really kind of connect that, you know, maybe I'm actually on the people management side of this and still blending in that passion for medicine and patient care. Um, but maybe I can have a bigger impact, you know, kind of going on that, that different path. And I often, I wouldn't say regret because I don't really live in the place of regret, but I wish I would have done it. I wish I would have gotten my license just because, um, not that I feel like I had any less of a career or any, you know, anything like that. I just would have loved to have done it. Um, it is definitely something that I am passionate about. And I'm passionate about supporting other technicians who are seeking licensure and, and advancement. So it's something that is important to me, um, but it just wasn't my path. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then so as as a practice manager, how do you view the the profession of veterinary technicians right now? Like almost all of our guests come up with the, the saying of we're at a crossroads where, you know, it's either going to get better or it's going to get worse. So how do, how do you how do you view it right now? I'm actually quite excited about what I'm seeing in the technician space. I don't want to use this word as a negative, but I see I see a revolution happening and an evolution Mm -hmm. that is technicians are are standing on their own and kind of demanding their own spotlight and branding themselves in a way that they can stand on their own. And I am so excited to see that because for so long as technicians, even as managers, our jobs were to stand silently behind, don't take any spotlight, don't don't shine on your own, don't, you know, just support the doctor, do your job, that's it, that's all we get to do. And I think we're finding now that we're capable of more. We are more and we have more to offer. Not that those roles are not important in the practice, they absolutely are. And being a military wife, I'm the first to tell you I support the chain of command. But what I'm saying is that we are more than just that role in the practice. You know, we're speakers, we're writers, we're consultants, we're teachers, we're trainers. You know, we're, we are so much more than just, just, I hate that word, you know. <laughs> right. We don't like to use that word. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So that's, that's yeah. what I'm seeing is I'm seeing an evolution and a revolution and just kind of the, the standing up of the veterinary technician industry. Awesome. Awesome. If you, you know, again, kind of looking at things through, through your lens, 
Is there one thing, you know, if you had a, a magic wand to wave or a first domino that you could push over to kind of set things in motion to change the course that we're on as a profession, what would that one thing be? Oh, you're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> Honest- I like where this yeah. is headed. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, as an outsider, and, and I, I own that, I am a technician outsider, but the division amongst your ranks is, is a problem the lack of unity within your core group of professionals, not being able to decide what you're going to call yourselves and continuing to fight amongst yourselves is a, is a problem because you're not going to gain the respect of the greater mass that you're trying to reach. If you can't even talk to each other yet, you know what I mean? I can't, could not (laughs) agree more. Yeah, Could not agree more. Yeah. And sadly we're seeing that unfold publicly on social media and everywhere else. And so, It's on the front lines where people are seeing this and hearing this and and that sort of thing. So yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, it, it's it's so hard to you know to see the division. You know, we're trying to work towards this this greater good, and you know, we can't even get past step one without fighting about it. Yeah. which yep. is one of the most frustrating things. I think is we can talk about the name change all day, but mm-hmm. no matter what we do, yeah, yep. someone's going to be upset and yeah. Somehow we have to get past that, and honestly, I, I have no idea how to do that. That's yeah, unless unless we can get ourselves a magic wand, like you said. Well, you know, and it's <laughs> it's not even. I was actually writing an article this morning on the quiet quitting of veterinary medicine, and the behaviors that we're seeing within the industry from our technical staff, from our doctors, from everybody, and we all kind of are waiting for the switch to be flipped. Of okay, now we're done with COVID. We're done with all this stuff. We're going to go back to normal. Well, there is no switch. It's, we're never going to flip it. It's not going to happen. But we kind of aren't accepting that yet. And that's, I kind of relate that to what you guys are dealing with in your industry or in your space. There is no magic wand. There is no switch. But continuing to have these conversations and normalizing the need for these conversations, I think will eventually kind of narrow it down. But there has to be ways of communicating without fighting. And without kind yeah. of lowering the standards that you're trying to set for yourself. And unfortunately, there's just some that I've seen have just kind of been like, okay, that was pretty low. Like, yeah. We can do better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, yeah. And, and also, and just to jump off on your point, you know, you said there's no switch back to normal. There's no switch we're going to flip to go back to normal. But I mean, the, the bigger question is what's normal? Right. Right. Like, was it the way we were before where people were still not happy? Um, we were still overworked, still underpaid, underappreciated. Like, do we do we even want to go back to that? Well, and right. yeah, I think, I think face, we need to face go, reality. Go to something better. Yeah. What is reality? Yeah. And are you capable of facing it? Do you have the emotional intelligence to face it and look at it in all its glory and brutality? Like, this is what's real yeah. for us right now. And once you are able to do that, then you can grow past that. So let's talk about branding a little bit. Kind of explain what branding is. And you've done some work for us. You've done some work for some other podcasts and some some hospitals. Is there a way that we as technicians can brand ourselves? Oh, yeah. You're already doing it. You just don't realize it. And it is the, you know, your your brand, very simply put, is just your reputation. We often equate reputation to high school. You know, are you a gossiper? Are you a problem child? Are you a bully? Whatever. So, but branding in the adult space is what is the, the appearance and the presence you put off as the professional that you are. So I look at branding on so many ways. You are always on a job interview. Even if you've been at your practice for 20 years, you are always on a job interview. How is it that you want people to perceive you? Because you may not be at that practice forever, or maybe you're going to be looked at for speaking engagements through your work at that practice. So that's your brand. Who you are and your intention in the veterinary space is your brand. Now, thinking about it intentionally and developing it and thinking, okay, if I am my own product and I am my own brand, what do I want to say about myself? What do I want my actions, my deeds, my appearance, my words I use, what I look like on social media? What is that going to say about me? In the technician space, I have seen so many technicians starting consulting businesses, traveling around, teaching their skill sets to other practices. We have practice owners paying to bring technicians in to teach their technicians. Would that have happened 20 years ago? No way. No, no, no not way. at all. 
Yeah. So just that alone, and it's coming from branding themselves as experts and branding themselves with additional education and speaking and sharing and their willingness to teach. That's all goes into branding. There are just so many opportunities for making money, making additional money, but also just continuing to push your passion. And that's all done within branding. Absolutely. And I, I think about like when I was when I was teaching, I would, you know, we, we would always tell our students, you know, don't ever leave a practice in a blaze of glory because this community is extremely small and mm-hmm. someone is going to know you. And yeah. you know, I, yeah. I just never thought of it as branding. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I thought of it as reputation, like you said. Yeah. Um, but but you, we really are creating a brand from our, for ourselves, whether it's consciously or sub- un- mm-hmm. unconsciously. We're, we're doing that. Yeah. All yep. the time. With everything you do. I mean, the, the work that you guys do and the the emotion that you guys put into what you do, the types of content you create and you put out there, you're supporting mental wellness, mental well-being, mental health. You are sharing information about suicide awareness and prevention and that sort of thing. That is just the undercurrent of what you guys consistently do. In the beginning, you probably didn't think about it too much. Now it's like, okay, does this go along with our brand? Does this match what we're doing? Does this kind of spread the message? Now it is something that is more ingrained with what you do and who you are. And when you bring other people in to work with you, that's what happens as well. So that's all branding. Mm. That's all how we we do that. I help people take it a step further. And I try to help them look at ways if they want to monetize, how do we monetize that? How do we get you additional sources of income doing what you already want to do? in your own brand. Right. Yeah. Dave, I'm, I'm reminded, remember um, when we talked with Tasha McNerney and she wrote that article about being a veterinary influencer right? and, and not, not, you know, necessarily representing some other brand, but, but the idea that everybody is a veterinary influencer and how you carry yourself, your reputation, how you interact with your coworkers, your doctors, your patients, you are essentially influencing other people around you and, just substitute whether you want to yeah. or not whether you want to or not right absolutely it sounds like you can just substitute influencer that term right. for just for branding building yeah. your building your brand but being who you are and how like are you are you coming across as how you want to come across and how mm-hmm. that influences other people so kind of pivoting then towards how we can put that out there for a veterinary practice um how would a brand manager help a veterinary practice? Does every practice need something like that? I think so, because I think identifying what it is that's important to you as a practice, but then also blending that or marrying that to what's important to your clients. So, you know, if you're not giving your clients and your audience what they need or what they want, they're not going to turn to you as a resource. So you have to have someone that is going to be able to look back objectively and not just say, okay, what do I want? I need to know what my clients want and what do they need from me? Same thing on the the industry partner side. What is it that I am trying to accomplish on social media? And is it actually going to fill a gap or fill a need that is going to be valuable to somebody else? If you're not creating value for somebody else, you're wasting your time because nobody's going to consume what you're doing. So it is about you, but it's mostly about them. So being able to have right. someone in the practice that can help you do that is important. And I'm I'm a big fan. This is where me being a bad business person comes in. I'm a big fan of having <laughs> someone in the practice that helps you with social media instead of jumping out there and hiring an outside company. No one will know your practice like the people who work in your practice. No one's going to have that level of, of passion. I have a passion for veterinary practices but I don't have an emotional connection to your veterinary practice. I don't work there. I don't know the people. It's just, there's no way I can fake that kind of funk, you know, but someone Mm -hmm. who is an ambassador, a social media ambassador in your practice is invaluable. You just got to give them the time and the space to do the job and do it well. And that's what we unfortunately don't allocate. We don't give people time for Mm -hmm. social media. For sure. For sure. And I, I think there's such a great opportunity for staff profiles for, uh, you know, if, if a new team member is hired, introduce them to your clients. Or, you know, if a staff member is going off to college or vet school, do a prof, you mm-hmm. know, maybe a, a patient of the month. There, there's so many avenues 
to connect personally with the clientele of a hospital, but also I would think improve the day-to-day interactions with the staff by just being able to be more familiar with them Mm -hmm. on that kind of level. That's exactly it. The, The filter that Linda and I run all of our content through, and this is just kind of that final checks and balances for every piece we create. And we create unique content for every single client. We do not do cookie cutters. So no two practices are going to have the same social media. Um, we may talk about peanut butter day, but you're going to have completely separate posts about peanut butter, you know. But mm-hmm. the final filter that we run everything through is, is this authentic and is it warm? Warm as in, does it connect? Is it making that emotional connection between the clinic and the client? And if we can't say that it's authentic or warm, then we kind of scrap it and go back. Like, okay, what can we do to make it that? Because there's no, there's no business out there that says, I don't want to be authentic. I want you just to kind of put stuff out there. No right. one's ever going to say that. And if they tell us that, they're not the client we want to work with anyway. But no one has right. ever said, no, I don't really <laughs> like authenticity. I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, right, right. Yeah. yeah. So we always check that in, in clinic practice as well as your personal branding for your own businesses, your speaking careers, your writing careers, anything that you're doing on your own. If you run it through the, am I being authentic? You will reach an audience. You will. There's no choice but to reach an audience. Be true to yourself and be authentic, and then you're going to create value for them. So when you're looking at these these brands that you're creating or or encouraging, what are the main channels or outlets that you use to build the brand? Obviously, social media is going to be one of them, but are there, are there more than just social media? Um, we do spend some time on their their websites and such like that. But really, we look at when we're, when we're building brands, it, apart from practice social media. So if we're talking about, say, you wanted to build a, uh, a speaking career, okay? So if we were like, I want to brand myself as a public speaker, I want to get more speaking jobs, this is what I want to do. Okay, so we're going to look at where the audience is. Who do you want to speak for? Who do you want to reach? We also need to look at your audience as who's going to be the one that's going to hire you to do that. So we need to reach them, and we also need to reach the audience, you know, your audience that's going to be sitting in the room listening to you. So you have two that we need to pay attention to. From there, we need to identify where are they spending their time. Are they, you know, are those event organizers that are going to be hiring you on LinkedIn? Are they on Twitter? Are they perusing websites? Are they on forums? Are they in professional associations? Do you need to join some professional associations to be linked with them? Where are they? And then also in your audience, as we're developing your content and thinking about those things that are going to be impactful for them, what do they want to hear? What, you know, what's, what's new and fresh? Not only that, what's old news? How many times do we go to CE conferences and we're like, oh, I hear this all the time. This is the same mm-hmm, old stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, are you doing your due diligence to find out what it is that they want to know um, or things that they should know that maybe they don't know to ask? So I look at it from two two perspectives. Hmm. Gotcha. So, you know, maybe if you have a very active, let's say, Instagram profile, but the people that are going to that you're going to want to reach maybe recruiting you for conferences are all on LinkedIn, the signals are never going to meet. Right. You need to go where they're at. And so you have to kind of understand your audience and and who they are and what kind of content they're going to consume. And then you have to respond to that. But you can't be fake and just make up stuff trying to reach people. You have to authentically reach people in the space that they are. And I mean, isn't that kind of human reaction anyway? We, we have to reach people where they're at not where we don't want them to be. Right. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the thought process. And we, we look for them, we find them, but first we have to identify who they are. Gotcha. What tools would you say are, are helpful or necessary when trying, like say somebody is a hospital employee and they're going to try to work on improving their, their clinics, online social media presence, what tools are helpful or necessary for that person to be able to do that. Like, obviously you have to like social media, you have to like doing those kinds of things, but it's also, you know, maybe coming up with fresh ideas, but then there's also the whole idea of knowing how to actually put this stuff together. It takes a while. There are ways, and part of of what I do is when when I travel around and I speak, I teach simplicity. 
So I really do try to encourage practices. Here's how you can do it for cheap or free within your own practice with just a few, just a plan. If you have team members that enjoy social media, that's great. But honestly, they don't even have to like social media. If you have someone who is keen on psychology and marketing and promotion, then social media is your tool that you use. But having someone who enjoys kind of the um, the psychology of, and this sounds bad, but the psychology of manipulating people into seeing you, understanding you, consuming your content, you know, you use your manipulation powers for good, not evil. Um, but understanding that you have that ability to, I mean, there may be a pet out there that's not going to get care, but we create a piece of educational content that relates to that owner, that relates to that pet. Now maybe they, they've got the care that they need. So that's the mm-hmm. kind of stuff that we want to manipulate and look and learn and try to create. Then you actually have to have the form and function, right? So you have to have the programs. Very basically, when I first started, I had a calendar. I literally had a calendar where I wrote in, I want to post about an educational thing today. I want to post about this tomorrow. I also took my calendar and actually I have a copy of of one of them that I use. I keep it here just to this day. It literally is just a calendar um, (laughs) and it's blank. You guys are actually in this. This is part of me mapping out the (laughs) podcast by color. Um, But it tells me where I'm at. It's a strategy. And I write down everything I know to start with. Like, I know Sunday is Easter. I know Christmas is going to be on the 25th. I write about things that I know. Then I go back and I map in, okay, what do I want other people to know? I want them to know about our doctors and about our services and the education that we offer and um, some common ailments that we treat in the practice. Then once you've done all that, you kind of look at your calendar, you realize, wow, it actually kind of filled in. I know more than I thought about this practice Mm -hmm. and now i can write this content and share it out with my with my audience and a lot of it's just you can schedule this stuff within facebook automatically put it on instagram and you're done you can also get way more complicated you can go in and get really expensive schedulers i mean we can go up the chain and spend more money but we don't have to (laughs) right I, I actually am going to have a follow-up question about that, but uh, but I think it's time for uh, for a quick break here. Dave, what do you say we pay some bills here real quick and uh, come yeah, right back? Sounds good. The Vet Tech Cafe is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line, and it's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online that's more affordable than traditional in-person therapy and financial aid is available. Caffeinators receive 10% off the first month using BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, to join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. Don't take our word for it. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily at betterhelp.com reviews. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash reviews. If you want to take charge of your mental health, visit BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe and get started today and get 10% off your first month. Be well, caffeinators. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the VetTechCafe where we will ask you what you want to drink even though you're already drinking something. <laughs> so, Rhonda, um, you know, we're, we're coming up on Mental Health Awareness Month and we just had our ad for BetterHelp. So, so can you talk a little bit about how you manage your mental health? Um, absolutely. I've actually used BetterHelp uh, before, and I absolutely love that platform. I'm, I'm glad you are working with them. The ease and simplicity of having therapy in my home on my time frame was phenomenal. Um, I was going through a time of just kind of navigation and figuring out how to handle certain um, outside influences that might have been more toxic than I wanted. And how do I navigate that? And so it was very insightful. I loved, I loved the time that I spent talking with my particular counselor there with BetterHelp. It was tremendous. With mental health, that is a day-to-day. And I, I love what you guys are doing in that space 
because we don't talk about it enough. We don't normalize mental health or mental wellness or understanding that people have issues. We do. Every one of us. Whenever I got diagnosed with scleroderma and my career abruptly changed, I don't know that at that time I could have told you I was dealing with depression. Um, I certainly was dealing with anger and frustration and the grief of grieving the loss of my career or what my thought, what I thought my career was going to be. And I also had to really work through my identity at that point. You know, I had finally gotten to, I got my CDPM and, you know, in, in our management space, man, we're, we're there. Like we're, we're doing some awesome things when you're a CDPM, you know, and to be told, okay, now you don't get to do that anymore because it's going to kill you is, yeah a little frustrating. And so working through that was challenging. Probably I didn't realize how challenging then until now that I kind of feel like I'm, I'm beyond that, but I still work in that space every day, all day, because I still carry the disease. Right. So there are times where, you know, like I'll get asked to go, Hey, do you want to go speak at such and such? And I have to think, okay, can I fly Will I get sick? What kind of special considerations do I need? Because I can't really be exposed to people. Um, COVID sidelined me for two years. Sidelined everybody, but sidelined me where I almost couldn't leave my house for two years because I couldn't even go to a grocery store because COVID might kill me. So it's one of those things that, you know, you have to face your reality, still maintain hope, but not this toxic positivity that is actually going to be more harmful to you. So facing my reality, understanding my limitations, and then figuring out how I was going to work around those was my approach to mental wellness and mental health. And my other big tool, and I know this will sound so ironic coming from me, is I turn off social media. I don't look at it. Um, yeah. I put my phone yeah. down on the weekends, and I, I manage it and watch it from a very far distance. I don't stare at it like I do Monday through Friday. And I go outside and I play. I play my garden. I plant my plants. I go do things that enrich me and fill up my cup again. Yeah, you you kind of have to to limit toxicity or limit the exposure to toxicity. Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, Dave and I, we we try to every now and again try to take a non-veterinary day, which sounds kind of funny, but between working full time and doing this podcast and, you know, maybe writing lectures for conferences or other speaking things pretty soon, a 40 hour work becomes seven days a week and it's, it's hard to get away from. And so, you know, we'll text each other and be like, Hey, I'm off this Friday. It's a non-veterinary day. And for us, that means no social media, like, because you can't scroll through Facebook without post after post after post being, this group, that group, and there's no way to get around right. it. Like I, I, I right. can't just go on social media and just look at my family. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's gotta be a complete disconnect or you, well, it's you, we're, you, we're so ingrained in, right. In exactly. You just, community. You just go down the rabbit hole and, and then that day away is, is shot. So I, I completely get the, um, having to kind of disconnect a yeah. little bit. It, mm-hmm. it does become our identity and we have to make sure that we're protecting that a little bit but also remembering that it's actually not our identity. We are not right. veterinary medicine. We are not CVPMs. I am not scleroderma. I am not any one thing. I'm a lot of things, um, but remembering that I'm a lot of things is, is probably what helps me find that balance or just keeps me just the right amount of crazy. I don't know, but it works for <laughs> me. <laughs> um, you know, just before the break, you were, you were kind of talking about scheduling and, and using scheduling software and, and scheduling posts. And I, I don't want to go too much into that, but I'm curious about, I'm sure there are statistics or analysis of what the best days to post are or the best times of day so that you're going to reach your audience. Obviously, there, there's going to be some measure of you scrolling and you see a really great infographic and you want to just share it right then and there. But Probably for scripted content, there is some method to the madness, is there not? There is. And I actually have software programs kind of embedded where, you know, like with y'all's, your, your pages, I have your stuff linked in through the software that actually has a, analyzed the engagement, the reach, your audience in particular, that tells me when to post your stuff. 
So if you look at your stuff, your your times are going to fluctuate a little bit. But I'll tell you, if you don't have the money to invest in that, and trust me, you shouldn't because it's expensive. But (laughs) the rule of thumb is when are you on social media? When are you as a person who works full time, who has a life, who comes home at dinner, who spends time with their family? You know, if that's your target client, someone who works outside of the home, who may or may not have a spouse that works outside of the home, who has a family, they, you know, have a 40 hour work week. When are they on social media? Well, they might get on it in the morning before work. Maybe not because they're probably busy getting kids ready, getting themselves ready, doing their thing. Maybe they get on at lunchtime because they're taking a lunch break and they just want to see what's going on. So they're scrolling through stuff. And then maybe in the evenings, right before dinner or right after dinner. So if you kind of think about your life and what your hours are and how those compare to your intended audience, your clients, what is their life like? You're probably going to reach more of them than not. So you don't have to Mm. think too, you don't have to get into the weeds on it too much. Um, again, sure. there is software that can help you get into the weeds on that stuff. But I found that the software kind of matches up with that same philosophy of, oh, everybody's looking at social media in the evenings right after dinner because they're you right. know, letting their hair down, taking their shoes off and kind of doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what are some of the, the, I guess, landmines or pitfalls or, or bad things about having an online presence or, or online brand? Telling the truth. Telling the yeah. truth. You got to be careful with that. And not just telling the truth, but telling your truth. So basically telling your opinion, you know, truth is not always fact. So getting into opinion based discussions, you know, like what we were talking about earlier with with titles and names and that sort of thing. So taking a position that you can't back away from or that you're unwilling to learn or hear the other person's side that's where you're going to end up with reputation issues or, you know, become getting that that reputation in the negative sense and now no longer building a brand. Now you're building a reputation. Mm. You don't necessarily want to have a reputation. You want to have a brand. I would like to be mm. known online as someone who has opinions. I feel the way I feel about things, but I'm open to hearing what you have to say. I also want to be known for self-awareness i want to identify my biases and be aware of them so when someone does offend me or kind of challenge my thought process i usually try to step back and go okay what's my bias on this and why do i feel the way i feel about this and when i do that if i come back to you and say okay you know i'm coming from this is my bias this is where i i'm coming from on this i can't get to where you're at help me like let's Let's talk about this somewhere. Generally, it takes the fight out of it. And then we can kind of get back to some even dialogue. But when we are dealing with reviews and negativity and toxicity and practice issues, sometimes we can't identify our bias. We just entrench in our line in the sand and nobody's getting across the client who's upset or us who is defending our medicine. So you kind of have to be careful when you're telling your truth and identifying your biases. And I think that can be your biggest pitfall if you're not self-aware, emotionally intelligent, and digitally emotionally intelligent. It can, it can be difficult. Well, I, th- I also think that, you know, what you said, identifying your bias of, you know, whatever the opinion is, uh, you know, if it's a controversial topic, if people disagree with what you're saying and you say, well, this is why I think this, because I have this this bias and there's not something I can do about it. That's just my bias. That's just how my brain works. I think it's sometimes that will deflect away from the opinion that is causing that bigger reaction and then just focusing on the fact that, well, this is why I think that way instead of coming to that line in the sand and saying, well, you're wrong and I'm right. Well, and you can get into problem solving. An example in, in your space yeah. is licensed versus unlicensed and the use of the of the word technician. So you've got people who are technicians that have been on the job trained for 20 years, tremendously skilled individuals who have great um, experiences that they can draw from. And then you've got other technicians who are licensed. Who's right and who's wrong? Who gets to use that name and who doesn't? Well, they're coming from their own bias. I've got 20 years of this experience. So if we're still talking about the word technician and we're not understanding why that 20-year OJT technician 
wants to be a technician compared to the licensed technician, we're never going to be able to have that conversation. We have to understand where they're coming from, then hear the message. And that's, I see that so often that we get so entrenched, but you're not a technician, but I am a technician, but you're not a technician. Oh my God, we're not getting mm-hmm. anywhere. Like we got it. Right. You know, why is this happening and where are we coming from? Right. You, you mentioned in there too uh, about reviews and I'm curious about, you know, how a hospital deals with maybe, you know, a, a negative comment on a post or how, how they manage that kind of situation. I, I think to some degree, a hospital, at least in, in my rose through my rose colored glasses, they could maybe control what they put out there. Like I said, staff profiles, hospital features, those kinds of things, and, and maybe not open themselves up to some things. But I imagine that stuff still happens. And, and I think that's a big concern for a lot of hospitals and maybe why they don't enter into that space. You know, if there is a maybe a, a negative review or a negative comment, any any thoughts on diffusing that situation, addressing it? I do a ton of work in this space. In fact, a lot of the presentations I'm asked to give are on handling negative reviews and how to kind of navigate that muddy pit. I will say that a lot of our clients, we don't get the negativity on their social media. We get it in their Google reviews and their Yelp reviews. It's always, always comes down to poor communication, miscommunication opportunities, and money. So being able to to handle that is tricky. I will tell you the immediate reaction I get from every single practice owner and every manager that calls me and says, we have a negative review. I want to go to war. Like they just want to annihilate this client. And I'm like, okay, I understand. But again, they're biased, right? They're defensive. They're protecting their medicine. They're protecting their practice, their reputation, the work that they did, the sacrifice they put into it. They're also coming from a place of feeling very unappreciated because how dare this client not think that I'm amazing for everything I did for them. Okay. How dare they not want to pay me millions, much less the hundred dollars I charged them, you know? So automatically understanding where they're coming from. And then, you know, basically me taking away their keyboard, they are not allowed to type anything. They're not allowed to respond. (laughs) Don't even touch that keyboard for 24 hours until you're done being mad about this, you know, put them in a timeout. You know, all joking aside, my job is actually to handle the reviews. We talk with the practice. We go through what happened. We do a little bit of an investigation because I want to find out how to respond in such a way that we don't put gasoline on this fire, um, but we also put the fire out. So that way it's no longer online. So my best piece of advice or pieces, the steps we follow is one, we investigate Two, when we respond, we respond with the intent to get the conversation offline. So we identify with the um, reviewer in some way. We empathize. We don't accept fault. We don't say, you're right, we sucked. Oh, my God, I can't believe we're so horrible. No, we find something to empathize. We're so sorry you had to wait. Waiting is very stressful. We can all relate to waiting and the stress that comes from waiting. We're not saying we're sorry and we're taking it fault because you had to wait because we can't manage our practice and we're horrible people. We're just saying we're sorry you had to wait because we are sorry you had to wait. We would love to talk to you about this more in person. Please give me a call. My name is Rhonda. Here's my phone number. I'm the practice manager. Get the conversation offline. If you go back and you say, well, yeah, you had to wait. Did you see all the people in our room? Da, 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 and give them all of these reasons why, you know, the situation happened, you just now gave them more things to fight about because now they can come back and say, well, yeah, if you manage yourself better, you wouldn't have all those people waiting and then I wouldn't have to wait. So you're just, don't continue to feed that. You know, they always joke about not feeding trolls. Don't feed trolls. Don't. Starve them. (laughs) Get that conversation (laughs) offline. So let's talk about dog days a little bit, you know, as we're getting towards our, the end of our hour here. Um, so what type of services do you provide? I mean, I, we know what, what you provide for us, but kind of brag on your brag on your business. Yeah. Yeah. Recruit some new clients. I would love to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. I would love to. We're always looking for new clients. We work with veterinary practices and we do their social media and their online management, their brand management. So we create custom social media for practices. So Um, If you're a mobile vet or a holistic vet or small animal, whatever, we work with you and we strategize with you to create social media for your practice. And we handle it. We schedule it. We watch it. We kind of tweak things when we need to. We put out new patient images, you know, just 
whatever we need to do, whatever's going to work for your practice, that's kind of what we do. We also help navigate those reviews, although, you know, nobody enjoys it, but it is, it's part of the game. Like, it's just, we do it and we help take that pressure and stress off while we do that. There's a lot of owners that physically get sick when they have to deal with the review and deal with the conflict. So we kind of take that because we're emotionally disconnected from the, the review itself. And it takes it off the, the plate of the manager and the owners. So we handle that as well. We also work with brands like you guys that are, are in the veterinary industry, but not directly practice related. And then we deal with industry partners. We have some on-hold messaging uh, partners that we work with, some financial advisors in the veterinary space. So we work with those kinds of brands to promote their services because they greater serve the veterinary industry. And then we have some people, some veterinarians who want to leave veterinary medicine and starting their own brands. So they want to go into consulting or teaching or there's, we have one that wants to uh, create a wellness uh, program for veterinary people, but no longer practice full-time as a veterinarian. And then we have some who kind of want to find that blend. So we work with everybody kind of where they're at and where they're coming from. Gotcha. You know, I remember when um, when we first met with you, one of the things that stuck out to me from that conversation is content. You know, are are we going to have enough content for you to to post and and you know this this idea? I mean, we had kind of a, a regular schedule of posts with episodes and and you know animal or veterinary related days, but it was it, it's still uh, you know kind of the idea or the struggle of striking a balance between constantly putting stuff out there but not being the only thing people see like the idea of this content is is still this nebulous concept to me that i i still don't know how how you know what's right what's not and i think about you know for for practices trying to reach their clients or what have you that's probably a pretty good struggle it is and i'll give a piece of advice that one of my clients we were talking the other day and she's like you know I don't even see our own pages stuff. Like, why don't, why am I not seeing it? And it's like, and I had to explain, you know, these platforms are trained. Their algorithms learn you. They learn your patterns, your behaviors, what you look at. The retargeting game is strong. So you can go to a whole nother site, look at something. And then when you come back to Facebook, they see it because they've got that retargeting marketing going strong, right? So I had to explain to her, I'm like, well, have you looked at stuff related to your page? Have you even gone to your business's page and interacted with your own content? Because if you're not interacting with the types of content that you want to see, then eventually those platforms are going to learn that you don't want to see it and they will take it off of your feed. Then you're only going to see the things that you have been looking at. So if you've been looking at negative, toxic things or salacious clickbait types of things, you're going to see more and more and more of that that will become your reality. Mm. So in terms of growing your content, I intentionally train the pages that I look at to show me more of the things that I want to see and share on my other pages because I want to have that perpetual growth of positive, beneficial, educational content. I'm very mindful of what I'm looking at because I don't want to teach Facebook and Instagram to only show me that crap. You know, the, the thing about yeah. TikTok that drives me crazy is I think there's a lot of growth potential on TikTok. There's not a lot of ability to filter the garbage out to where you can teach it fast enough to only show you the good. Because right now, that's mm-hmm. not what their algorithm is training itself and, and us to do. It's, it's going more for that reality TV garbage. Um, yeah. But there is a lot of potential if you can become a source for good on TikTok. I think there's a lot of of potential for veterinary practices and for veterinary brands to flourish there. I started a canning one, a canning uh, profile on TikTok to test it. I have like 7,000 followers on people watching me can hamburger, meat and chicken, you know, because it's, it's bizarre. It is a side hobby for me. I like to garden. I like to do a lot of homesteading stuff. And I was testing the market to see what would happen. And I was pacing growth and looking at what can I do that I can easily produce. And I happened to be in the season of canning at that point because we had a bunch of stuff, you know, from the garden and stuff. And so many people 
oh my gosh, thank you for explaining this. Oh, I had no idea. And asking me questions and wanting to know more and wanting to know about temperatures and pressure cooking and what kind of lids. And there's an audience. There's an audience for everyone. You just have to kind of put it out there, but you've got to filter the crap out and make sure you're, right. you're maintaining mm-hmm. that that sanctity. Yeah, it, it's interesting what you're saying there uh, about, you know, basically telling your, your phone or, or what have you what you want to see. In, in my work, when I'm talking to clients about whatever products their pet has ingested, and I'm asking for brand name products names, when I go to my lunch hour, my Facebook ads are all what I talk to clients about that morning. And I'm, I'm using a work computer. I'm not using my phone. It's just sitting next to me listening. And it drives me bananas. It's retargeting. It, <laughs> but, yeah. it's, but it's the way that it yeah. is. It's, yeah. it's retargeting. And, and then essentially I'm dictating what I want to see because of <laughs> what right. I'm doing with work. I do the same yeah. thing whenever I'm researching a client or researching a problem. You know, like right now I was, I've been doing a bunch of research on this side hustle phenomenon and, and how it's kind of developing and branding within itself in veterinary medicine and through that writing this article on the quiet quitting of veterinary medicine and i'm going to have a bunch of negative psychology in my feeds for a while because i've been doing all of this research so i'm intentionally going to have to go back and look up you know things that are more positive like okay show me care bears (laughs) show me you know because i need to retrain (laughs) google and all of these browsers to show me things that fulfill me instead of just continuing the problem yeah. Yeah. Is there anything we haven't talked about yet about branding, social media presence, online presence, personal hospital, et cetera, that, that we haven't discussed that you want to get out to our listeners? I just want to encourage people that if they are looking for another outlet for themselves, you know, if they're looking at burnout, they're looking at compassion fatigue, they're getting frustrated with where they're at. You're not stuck, but you don't have to leave veterinary medicine either. You don't even have to leave your practice. Give yourself an outlet and don't don't have imposter syndrome and feel like you're not qualified to, to have a voice. No matter who you are, how long you've been in this industry, what you've done, your personal experiences qualify you to have a voice. And I encourage everyone to use their voice to try to better themselves and better veterinary medicine. Awesome. 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 Fantastic. Um, is there a person or maybe another topic that you would like to see us either interview or discuss on a future episode? Yeah, lots. Um, <laughs> you know, I was thinking just the other day, I have a, a, I'm aware of some financial guys that I would love to see you guys talk to them on financial wellness for the technicians because they mm-hmm. often get okay. overlooked. And if technicians and kind of the, the mid-range of the practice support staff area if they were more financially savvy in managing their money and their resources and their assets in a way that they felt like they had more power and control, what would that do to lend itself towards career sustainability? Mm, that's a great idea. So, that's a very, very, yeah. Well, because we, we talk all the time about, you know, the lack of pay right. and how, how many technicians have to have two jobs or three right. jobs or four jobs. Right, so what if right. we taught them how to, to utilize their assets yeah. in a really smart sustainable way or at least gave them power over their money no matter how much it was right but gave them the education to manage their own money practice owners everybody else they always get all those assets and all those ce and all of that Mm -hmm. training Mm -hmm. well money is money doesn't matter what your role in the practice is you need to know how to use it as a tool right right absolutely Absolutely. yeah if you have someone in mind put us in touch with them and we'll yeah that's a great great idea that'd be great yeah all right, and now it is time for your would you rather question. Are you ready for it? I think so. <laughs> Given what you said about your autoimmune disease, this this may this may influence your answer. Would you rather live in a mansion in the middle of the desert or in a shack in a tropical paradise? In a shack. In a shack, and why is that? Um because it's simple. A mansion, yeah, a mansion is a lot. I, I immediately, There's I mean, it's out of housework <laughs> yeah. and stairs. My, my disease affected my lungs and there's stairs. Um, so yeah, a shack is simple and I, I'm simple. I don't need a lot. When you get to be outside more. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. can still do your gardening and your canning. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it's just as long as Absolutely. they bring me my, my resources, I need floated in on a boat or whatever, but yeah. 
Yep. I, I think I'd be happy. As long as you have good Wi-Fi. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. not, because then you wouldn't have to work. Or yeah, or not. Yeah. 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 You'd be like, yeah. oops, Dis- sorry. Disconnect. Can't. There you go. So, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I think I would. I'd rather be in a shack. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Well, Rhonda, thank you very much for your time and, and talking to us about all this today. Because again, I, I think there are there's a lot of technician content creators out there that are trying to to do some things and both for themselves and or for their practices. Mm-hmm. And I, there's there's so much to it, but it, it actually sounds like it could be done, like you said, by anybody in the practice that has yep. the motivation to do so. And so I think it's really important for if, if somebody that has that interest. Bring it to your manager. Bring it to your owner, and say, "Hey, I, I think we can. I think we can do this and help drive some things." And there's there's a lot of opportunity. A there. ton, yeah. But the owners and managers do need to support it. That's that's the key. Yeah, It'll for sure. Fail if yeah, you, you don't. can't just go rogue and, and start nope. it. Nope. <laughs> got to have got to have everybody on board. Yeah, and, and I'm sure have them sign off on content and what have you. But um, but there's there's I think a huge opportunity for growth yes, there. Definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, cool. Thank you very much again for coming by and having a cup of coffee with us. And uh, thank you for all you and, and Linda do at Dog Days for, yeah. for the Bet Tech Cafe podcast. We're greatly appreciative. Our pleasure. Um, and uh, wonderful to talk yeah, to you. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thank you. All right. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Hello, caffeinators. We wanted to thank Dog Days Consulting for managing our social media and helping with the interior design here at the Vet Tech Cafe. They don't just do social media. They can help you identify your brand through brand coaching. The founder is a CVPM with 15 years experience in veterinary practice management. They are a small business proudly serving the veterinary community, and we are thrilled to be working with them. Check them out at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. Hey, caffeinators. We would like to thank you for listening to the Vet Tech Cafe podcast today. As everybody is well aware by now, we often talk about difficult issues that face our profession. In addition, we chat with colleagues and leaders in our field who have strong opinions of these issues. Those opinions expressed by either Dave or Jeff as the hosts, or those opinions expressed by our guests, are their opinions alone and do not represent any other person, business, institution, or any other entity inside or outside of the scope of veterinary medicine. If you have any questions relating to this, please email us at vettechcafe at gmail.com or visit our website, www.vettechcafe.com. Lastly, whatever platform you utilize to hear our dulcet tones, please rate and review our podcast and like and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn pages as well to see what we're up to. From all of us at the Vet Tech Cafe, have yourself a great day.